All right, this season of Tune on Toast is brought to you by my friends at Velvet Hammer Music and Management Group. This run of episodes I'm doing right now would not be possible without them. If you work under the arts umbrella, music, comedy, podcast host, whatever it is, they support you, they chase greatness, they love the arts from the bands and the brands they work with like System and Corn to Ted Stryker and Tuna on Toast. Thank you, Velvet Hammer. Now let's get to the episode. Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music and I love those that create it. Stryker's here. Tuna on toast. Yes. Tuna on toast. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. It is Ted Stryker grandson is going to join us in just a minute. He's a musician that needs to be on your radar and that you should follow and support. A couple things though. Of course, he came over to the house, to my guest bedroom, the Tune on Toast studio. It was a rainy day when he was there. Uh, but this intro, I am not in the Tune on Toast studio. Maybe you can hear the echo. I'm on the road. Uh, I am sitting in a kitchen at the bar area. No drink in front of me. I do have a sugar-free Red Bull open right now though. And I've got this little gray microphone plugged into the laptop. The headphones that I brought with me, I didn't bring the good headphones, I brought the old headphones. And they're so old, it's like old underwear, like all of a sudden when you pull the elastic, they're just totally done. That's like the sides of these headphones that I'm wearing. The Nerf part is completely crumbling every 10 seconds. So the black Nerf is all over my shorts and all over the ground right now. You can watch all the Tuna on Toast episodes on my YouTube channel, which has been on fire lately, Tuna on Toast with Stryker. And if you're just someone that likes to, to listen to the podcast, holy moly, do I appreciate you. It would really help me out. I'm an independent podcaster. Uh, if you could give me like the five-star rating, one sentence review, one very nice, authentic <laughs> review. If it's your first time here, welcome to the show. If you come back every week, I'm so happy to have you. The Tune on Toast community we got going is super strong, and it's building like crazy every single week. The artist's grandson, he's Canadian, he's smart, he's got a good personality, moved to L.A. about 10 years ago. His latest full-length album is out called I Love You, I'm Trying. Now, in his past, he mostly sung about social and political injustice issues, but this album is super personal, and you're going to find out why. And also, you're going to hear that the movie That Thing You Do, and I don't want to give away too much, but the movie That Thing You Do had a huge impact on his life. We get into that a little bit in the beginning, but we really cover it a lot at the end. And a shout out to Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, if you're listening, there's a great mention for you at the end of this episode. All right, I'm easy to find everywhere, by the way. Ted Stryker on Instagram and Tune on Toast. And thank you for spreading the word. I love doing this podcast. And without any further ado, please welcome to the Tuna on Toast studio, Grandson. Okay, watch the cameras, watch your head. Uh, this is, oh, wait, can I? Here, we'll sit. And then I forgot that I haven't offered you something. Oh my god, what's that? I hope it's tuna. I have not offered you something to drink yet. What an idiot I can I get you a glass of water real quick? I would love that. Let's do water. Okay, we'll do water. That and then we'll better. start the show in three, two, one, and a water will be there. Wow. I can't believe I'm finally here. I remember listening to was it who was on the first episode? Was that Tom? Tom. That's right. Tom Morello was number one. I remember. I listened to it. 
Thank you. You have been on my radar musically, and I think you know this for many, many, many years. And to see you get bigger every single month, every single year as a fan makes me feel good. Do you feel like you've had a great trajectory over the last four or five years? Yeah, I do. I mean, we had a little pandemic in the middle that kind of screwed everything up. Um, But I feel, above all else, extremely, extremely lucky to be here. And for all of those listening at home, first time I ever heard myself on the radio, out of order, 420. Really? First time I ever sat in the car and heard myself on the radio. Oh! Right here in LA with you. Did that, what did that feel like for you? Was it like that thing you do the movie or was it a different feeling? Yeah, it was different. Um, Well, actually, it's funny. That thing you do is a movie that I loved and growing up. It was the first song I ever tried to learn how to play on guitar. But I remember that same feeling of it's going to happen. Where can I get my hands on? a? Uh, I need to get to a radio right now. And so I'm running around my house and I'm, it dawns on me the only place is in the car. But I didn't even have a car at the time. Yeah. So I had to ask my roommate. He couldn't find his keys. I get there. I, I run into his Prius, slam the door shut. And then uh, I turned it on and I was halfway through the song. Um, it was, it was my song, Blood Water. Blood Water. Yeah. And, uh, I, it was definitely surreal. And then towards the end, I remembered I was supposed to be, I should film this. I should capture this, but I was just so, I was just sitting in, in the car, like over the moon. It was really, uh, really surreal feeling. And, um, did it feel like you had accomplished something in that minuscule two minutes of time? You know, I don't know. I think that one thing that's really interesting about doing this kind of thing is that, you know, opportunities and milestones, they come up like that. And then they've just always happened. You know, I thought that when I was performing with Tom Morello on the late night um, show that we got to do, and I'm watching him and this is just, it's just a thing that you've done and you'll always have done. And there's something very special about that. And uh, especially now when music is changing so much and the milestones and the accomplishments are, are, are are so much different than they used to be. There's something about my mom going to say her son was on the radio that there's something that's that's evergreen about that. Like, it'll always be cool right. to be able to say, you know, I just heard you on the radio. So that was that was a pretty cool feeling. Thank you for that. Of course. Um, you just mentioned Tom Morello. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I know. they got inducted into the hall of fame the ceremony hasn't happened yet but they found out that they are going in have you spoken to tom did you text email well what's funny is that tom is actually the one who nominated me to be able to vote on the rock and roll hall of fame so i think that tom has secretly been uh building up <laughs> a coalition of sorts he's been getting all the young kids up into the rock and roll hall of fame so that we can all vote for him and his bands <laughs> plural i think i voted for two of them this year no i know but uh, i i was super super happy for him for them it, it's funny i i don't think when rage against the machine started it, you know, making 1991, four guys here in Los right, Angeles making pissed off political music. I don't think the goal was uh, to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I, I'm sure that it means a lot to them. And uh, I'm super happy for Tom. It's pretty cool. I'm excited to see what they do with the performance, what artists will be up there potentially collaborating with them. Because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame TV show that's like four hours long, you never know who's going to be on stage. Will all the guys from the, will Zach go to this thing? Is he going to be happy? 
will Brad be playing drum? Like, I'm very curious to see how it goes down. The only time I've ever crossed paths with Zach was at a coffee shop here in LA. <gasps> and I'm not kidding. The man was reading a textbook <laughs> like wow. this thick. And I was like, I, I it was like seeing a, a unicorn. I was just so, I was like, he, he looked larger than life. And uh, if you think that I'm going to interrupt Zach reading some sort of, I don't know what he was reading, but it looked like I, he was in the zone. So I didn't yeah. even bother to say what's <laughs> up to him. But um, yeah, I, I'm definitely curious what they're going to do. And if they need anyone to pinch hit, I'm happy to uh, help out, you know. Tom, uh, there we go. I know you're watching this, you know, mutual friend of the show. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen, Tom. Let's do it. Before you met Tom Morello and collabed with him, you had covered Rage in your career, hadn't you? As a professional uh, or before you officially became professional? A little bit. Not. I, I hadn't ever covered their music, but I was hugely inspired by the work that they did not just with music but as far as inspiring change and empowering their audience that's something i've definitely strived to do with my community right and uh when i first moved to la i had a poster of rage against the machine on my wall that i used to make music under make terrible terrible hip-hop beats under but i would look up at, at rage it was a old i think it was here in la they had wu-tang clan opening for them it was like some old old school poster and then uh I didn't really imagine looking up at that and going, I'm going to work with those dudes. But it's, uh, yeah, you never know what's going to happen in 10 years. What year did you move to Los Angeles and did you move from Canada? Yeah, I did. I did. I moved to Los Angeles in 2014. Wow. So it's almost 10 years. Not so uh, Come on, years. bro. It's true. It's true. It's, it's almost been 10 years. It's crazy. Crazy to think about. I, I moved here a couple weeks after my 20th birthday. I had been writing and producing a little bit of music in Montreal, uh, where I went to school. And so I... What were you studying in school? I was studying uh, how, to, how to function with a hangover oh, when no. I want. <laughs> No, I, I was there. I was there for education. Okay. Um, I wow. was I was studying to maybe be a teacher. I wasn't wow. really sure what my path was going to be, but I came from an environment where after high school you go to you go to college, you go to university, and uh, so a lot of kids I knew went there without really knowing what their path in life was going to be. So that's where I kind of started feeling things out. I started selling tickets for other people's shows. I started DJing a bit. I was trying to just get my feet wet as far as being around music and being around great musicians and then moved out here and it took me a while. Did you know a lot of people though when you moved here? No one. Oh, you did? Okay, okay. No, I lived, um, I, I, I found a small community of, of fellow kind of Canadian musicians that were out here because there are a lot of Canadians here in Los Angeles and I stayed on somebody's uh, guest mattress in the living room for six months oh my god for 400 bucks a month i was uh in the middle of like a five bedroom house with the dogs chewing up all my stuff oh, and it was man. a classic la uh hole in the wall bungalow but made it out of there and were you working at a restaurant or a bar or a valet per or you just were focused on music while paying the 500 a month on the mattress yeah i was mostly just focused on music and stretching i think the guy gave me a couple grand the manager that i signed like my entire life to for you know pennies on the dollar but um so i was trying to stretch that Getting odd jobs. I helped a friend who was a photographer. I helped him yeah. sell stuff. I don't even remember how I did it. 
it's so funny. Like it, it feels like not that long ago, but at the same time, if 19 year old me moved to LA now and asked me for advice, I would have no idea. I don't know how I did that for, for two, three years until I kind of figured it, figured it out as far as going by grandson and putting out music. I just really had no idea what I was doing. Do you think a fire in your belly and the hunger to maybe prove something to anyone in Canada? I don't know. And maybe to yourself, it's like you do what you have to do when you're 21 years old to get to the finish line, whatever that is in your own mind. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. It's the things that motivate you uh, have, have really fascinated me and they change as you get older. I think for me, proving people wrong, proving myself wrong was hugely motivating at the beginning. And now I'm at a point in my career where I've been able to accomplish a lot of the things that I initially set out to prove people wrong about. And so now I think with this album and the choices I'm making in my life, I'm trying to find new motivation because I think trying to prove people wrong and uh, I think that that kind of stuff is like gasoline on a fire. Like it's really reactive, but but it's not sustainable. I don't think you'll be happy if the thing that motivates you to get up in the morning is what somebody else thinks about you. Because who the fuck even knows what they think or care? You know, they're somebody else. Let them live their life. And so that's been a really interesting thing. For me, music was always competition. As as early as I could remember, I, I went to school at a huge public school. And I was really just kind of looking to stand out and find my footing and impress girls, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So music was never really just about about expressing myself there was always this this other thing happening where i was trying to relate be the best um make it to the hall of fame win a grammy and the older i get the the more kind of disillusioned i am by those things being what's gonna make me happy or fulfilled they're just kind of you get closer to some of those things and and they go away and this is coming i've i've played shows for thousand fifteen thousand people opened arenas like you know I've, I've accomplished a lot so far yeah. and i think now with this new era and this new chapter in my music and in my life i'm i'm just trying to keep it as real and authentic as possible and make something that that i'm super proud of and that can exist in a vacuum independent of other people's or my own expectations for how it'll be received i'm just trying to see how how deep i can go with it this is it I've listened okay as we sit here today it's May 4th while you guys are watching or listening to this podcast the album will be out for you That's I love right. you I'm trying this is a well I'll tell you how it makes me feel sure. it's a personal grandson album I hear you talking about like people are only going to celebrate you when you're passed away F the alternative scene there's so many fake you mentioned some things about your family which feels uncomfortable potentially for them, you're really letting your guard down based on how I feel listening to the album. Am I on the right track? Absolutely. I mean, thank you. I'm I'm glad to hear that it's resonating. It, Appreciate that. 1,000%. So a majority of your songs previous, you're very socially conscious, politically conscious, but this is personal. Why this direction then? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that um, many of the political artists that inspired me from Bob Marley to Bruce Springsteen to the Beatles 
a lot of those kinds of artists began their journey maybe um, on a lighter, more personal path. And then as they get older, their music um, matures and the subject matter matures. For me, for whatever reason, um, you know, being at a particular age during the Trump presidency, um, coming from a family of, of activists who are committed mm. to social justice, I think that I began my 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 journey as a musician on a particular path of empowerment that will still be with me my, my whole career. But I did feel that, number one, I wanted to give back to the fans that have given me so much. And I felt like I don't know if I'd ever told these uncomfortable truths about who I am and let people decide for themselves um, is this the kind of artist they want to look up to or be there for? I had never really opened up. Um, and so I thought it would be interesting. What if I could make almost like a prequel? What if I could make an album that sort of gives the context and gives the background for what led me to making the kind of music I've made? So I think that that's why as a songwriter I got excited about um, having a couple songs on this record that take you back to when I was growing up. And, and again, some of that might not be for everybody, but I, I wrote this album with my biggest fans in mind. And I just wanted to give as much of myself to the process as possible. And at this particular chapter in my career and in my life, it felt more authentic and, and more honest to, to make this kind of more personal record. And I'm so glad you did. The production is super great. The lyrics are very good. Every single song, as I and I've gone through it twice. The album's not even out yet. And I was sitting at my kitchen table for one. I was on my little stationary bike for the other. And man, I got I felt sad at times for you. Did you play any of these songs for relatives before they were released? Yeah, I you did. did. I did, and absolutely. For what, not for, was it for permission? Or? That's a good question. I don't know. I had never really made songs that I was scared to play. I mean, I was nervous to ask that question, by the way. I understand. I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm somehow comfortable pissing off half of America, but <laughs> like at my own dinner table, I'm kind of nervous to, to yeah. get people's. Uh, Maybe not permission, but blessing. Somebody uh, to hide maybe was one of the tracks I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. I I catalog some of the, the 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 themes of mental health and addiction that run through my my own personal um, upbringing, and I did play the song for my family members and one at a time and give them space to to give me their thoughts and. It's uh, it's an exciting place to be creatively. It's like uh, telling your crush that you that you like them or something. It's like, what are they gonna think? What are they gonna say? And those moments are really, really worth fighting for creatively. If you have a story that you're scared to tell, I think you have a responsibility to tell it. And so that's how I think this record became what it was. I wrote three albums worth of material for this album. And the only songs that are on the album were songs that at their core, there was something that I felt I needed to say. And so each record covers different, different really, really important themes to me that I just didn't want to give up on or I didn't want to talk myself out of um, saying. Good. There's a song called Murderer. Yeah. And there's a line specifically in there, I'm sick of being underrated. I feel you. I hear you because if I'm 
going to say, who's underrated? Grandson. You're huge already. You play to big audiences. But in your own head, you still feel like with all the accomplishments and everything you've done, people still, more people should know of you by this point. Maybe. I, I definitely think that when I wrote this song, Murderer, that you're talking about, I was really trying to lean into my most exaggerated, insecure places. Mm. I drew a lot of inspiration from early Eminem on a song like that. I was really influenced by Stan yes. writing this kind of confessional dialogue. And yeah, I do kind of think, again, when my goal is to be this household name and you know, growing up, that was what I associated with success. It has required, it's definitely been a rocky road as far as me letting go of some of that expectation or pressure um, on myself because there are absolutely things that I'm not going to do. I don't want to make music or put things out on the internet just to maximize people's attention on me. It just feels like uh, a waste of time because people, they'll break your heart. You know, it's so competitive, this vacuum for people's attention right now. And I started feeling like the choices I felt that I would make if the goal was to be the biggest artist in the world didn't feel in line with my goals as a songwriter, my goals as a friend, my goals as an artist. I want to be the kind of artist that tells the truth. And I want to be the kind of artist that is multifaceted. So just when you think that you have an idea of what kind of music I make, I I do something else. I've done acoustic music, big angry rock music, hip hop music, dance music, and that comes at the detriment of growing as as this easy to understand um, Big Mac. You know, I want to make something that's densely nutritious and complicated, and because that's who I am as a person. So, but what I love also, sorry to interrupt, is I can't put you in one category musically, and I don't want to. And, and like in twenty twenty three, I think if someone is so focused on being a, just this little thing, I don't know if it's going to work necessarily these days. Sure. I hear a little Eminem. The tone of your voice when you're rapping is awesome. Then you're getting angry, and then there's a song like Eulogy and Heather. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. And I I really ask everyone after this podcast, to listen to this album front to back because it'll really move you in many different ways. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you so much for saying so. And and yeah, I think that I just, I take this this concept of being an alternative artist. And I, I've, I've spent a lot of time questioning alternative to what? Right. Alternative is so watered down now and it's become this vehicle for pop music to find a, an edge in a time where, um, being a pop star is, is has changed and evolved where all of a sudden here comes this alternative pop thing where we can just kind of repackage pop music. And again, all I wanted to do was make music that felt honest and when I'm angry, be angry, and when I'm sad, be sad. And uh, I, I think that, yeah, th- that feeling of frustration, that buildup of resentment, of not feeling like you get people's attention – if you don't catch it and and look at it for what it is, it'll push you to do things that you regret. You know, it'll it'll make you want to be more resentful of other people's success. It'll make you want to lash out online in ways that you'll you'll regret later. So, having 
songwriting for me has been a vehicle for me to get those feelings out and and make sense of them. We're talking about all these songs. I've heard it all, but no one else has in the public, really, because it's coming out in a few hours. But again, this will be out when you guys watch and listen. Are you nervous are you excited do you have a stomach ache about the re- like what what are you feeling Dude, like i mean it's excited. literally hours from now Vanessa. i know <laughs> i know and here i am i feel like if anyone in my personal life knows like my my mental health it it like ramps up in its intensity and i'll go through these like big lows and feel like i've i've multiple times questioned did i do the right thing is it ready I've debated not putting it out in the last three days. It's hard to feel like a thing is done, but it's done. It's done when you are going to lose your mind if you keep working on it. So, yeah, I've been going like this. And then at the very end, I get super, super excited and grateful. And then I get to reconnect with the people online and the people at every show that – that, that it meant something to. And that's, again, that was the focus of this album. And the more that I can return to that, the happier and healthier I'll be. On that note, we're going to take a quick 30-second trivia break. Okay, let's do it then. So this is Grandson Trivia. Okay. Okay, Grandson is our contestant today. Happy to be here. Uh, This is rapid fire here. Okay. If you get it right, we ring the bell. Okay. Here we go with Grandson, 30 seconds on the clock. Uh, This candy bar is a combo of caramel, milk chocolate, and crisp rice. Uh, Mr. Big? That's a Canadian one. What is that? Wonder Bar. I don't know. Go on. This orange it wasn't drink Mr. Big. is really just orange sugar water, but I loved it in the 90s, and I love it today. What was that, Fanta? $1,000 is also known as this. A grand? What is the largest star in our solar system? The sun? The Colorado River thro- uh, flows through this famous location. Uh, grand Canyon? Uh, uh, this NBA team plays in Phoenix. Uh, the Suns? Uh, this 1960s TV show had three of them named Chip, Mike, and Robbie. Uh, yeah, the, what, the sons? The, the grandsons? Chip My three sons. <laughs> ah, the candy bar question is a hundred grand bar. Ah. The orange drink is Sunny D. Uh, come on. He's too good with it. Wow, that's pretty clever. I like that. Okay, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? I'm so glad. You just got me hungry. You met good that you missed the first two questions, though, and then you finally got it. It dawned on me. If you got it from the first one, then it would have been way too easy. Yeah, no, that was, that took me a second. bar. 100 grand bar. That's some American thing. I don't even know those things. It is the most, speaking of underrated, most underrated candy bar. Really? The best candy bar. Comes in two little Somebody's got to bring it to the meet and greet, please. Bring it to the show. Let me try that for myself. Let me see. If you ever go up to Canada, try Mr. Big. Is Mr. That, Big? Yeah, Mr. Okay. Big. I think it's the same 100 grand kind of <laughs> flavor. Dirty, to be honest. Uh, well. Is they, there milk chocolate involved? You pay the 100 grand, you get the Mr. Big. <laughs> I have questions about K-Flay and your tour. Of course, my it's, best friend. It's starting pretty soon. Yeah. What is the connection with K-Flay and where did you meet her? K-Flay is my sister from another mister. That is like, but it's really, really rare that you can find somebody who you connect with on a personal level and look up to on a creative level. And, and she's been that as, as long as I can remember, um, as since I've started making music as grandson, we were kind of in separate journeys, but on the same path. And then we started meeting at, you know, alternative radio festivals 
in 2018. And then actually Mike Shinoda featured us both on his solo project, Post Traumatic. Right. So at the right. end of 2018, he played uh, at the Forum. We both came out as guests. Artists, that was my first time meeting her in person. And after that, we stayed in touch a little bit. And it was in 2019, right before the pandemic began, that I sent her a demo of mine. And it was total shot in the dark. I was like, I got nothing to lose. She seems nice enough that if she if she doesn't want to do it, she'll let me down gently. I sent her this record <laughs> called Peaches. It's a song about making peace with, you know, your flaws. And she sent back a beautiful, beautiful verse. And then we've just managed to stay in touch since. And then when I was figuring out who I was going to tour with, uh, her name came up and I said, there's no way. There's no way she'll do it. There's, she's She's... There's just no way we're going to be able to make the timing work, our schedules. We're both, you know, playing big shows. How are we going to manage to to juggle all this? Um, but sure enough, uh, we were able to. I don't know how I'll make it happen, but but K Flay's coming on the road. That's exciting. And I've, I've never, yeah, we're really good friends. And you know, being on the road, my experience with it, I've had really high highs. I've had really low lows. There's a lot of temptation for me and vice. And mm. I've learned that community is really important for me. So to be able to go back on the road and play this really vulnerable, intense album every single night, be doing these meet and greets before the shows, giving so much of myself to it. I'm really excited to have a, a, a piece of home there with me. And I understand now when artists get bigger and want to tour with their friends. I mean, it's going to be half of my year for who knows how long. I'm going out for five months. Woo! I'm playing over 80 shows. Is that all U.S.? U.S., Canada, across Europe. We're doing Mexico. Oh, we might be throwing in you, some man. Australia at the end for good measure. I haven't announced that yet. But um, so so it's it's a lot. It's It's a lot. And the more you can enjoy that experience and the more you can – um, make sure that you have good people around you. I've, I've learned how how important that is, and so I'm really grateful that we're going to go on the road together. And it's just good alternative music. I don't it know is. if you've heard she. Was, I've been lucky enough to hear her her unreleased new album. It's incredible. Um, she's going to be playing some of that. I've got this new album coming. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun every single night. So I think people that that buy the tickets are in for a real treat if you like this kind of music. Kay Flay has a song called Bad Vibes, but she's nothing but good vibes. Ain't that the truth. That's 100% Ain't that the, the truth. truth. She she does have and some good vibes. And she likes sardines, and she has a sardine picture in her kitchen yes, somewhere. She does have a sardine picture in there. Wow. I so guess like her, how do you know that? Well, I mean, no. You mean how do I know that? Or how, how do, do you? I, how do I well, know that? Well, because you're maybe because you know you're the tuna guy, so you know That's every ex- single fish that any rock star has on their wall. That's exactly right. That's what I thought. Tom Morello just put up a nice trout in his guest bedroom. I'm gonna have to get fishy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get fishy then, because this is the kind of company I want to be in. Serge Tankian just now has a marlin up in his TV room from System. Hey, one of the great things about your album, I want to go back to the new songs again, because you mentioned how personal it is, but people should not get that confused with Sappy, because if you took out the lyrics and just played that music, it's so good. But once you know the words, it makes it better. You don't feel sappy listening. You feel a combination of, oh, I feel this like this guy is talking directly to me, and I also want to move my body a little bit to these songs. And that was my always my goal. You know, when I my first memories of Rage Against the Machine, not to bring it back to them, but 
my first memories of them were not connecting with their political science right. majors. It was, it was that they said, fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm 13 <laughs> years old. I'm running a cross country meet. I was like, yeah, they won't do it. That won't do what they tell me either. Right. And so I think for me, my goal has always been to make music that you can enjoy at whatever level that you want. You know, you can enjoy it on the surface. If you're just on the bike, if you're training, if you just want to get pumped up, um, there's music for that. Yeah. If you do um, want to pay attention to the lyrics and really dig in, we try to make sure that there's something for you as well. Um, yeah, it's it's no one thing, but I I pay close attention and I worked really hard on on producing this album and making the album sound the way that it feels. It it feels like, but you tell me, this is the most you've taken care of yourself because a lot of your music you're looking out for the world and people and standing up for that person and that person but maybe it was time to like maybe i need to look at me for a minute Mm. and get myself healthy in some sort of way yeah i think uh i think i I had to really come to terms with that if i didn't start to deal with these things that i didn't like the, the the path i was headed on so i'm I'm happy to have made the album that I've made and I'm I'm excited to connect with people on this level. Do you have to change your approach at all when you're collaborating? You're still you, but to make sure that both sides like come together in a cohesive way, you have to give up a little of this to make it like this? Um I I think maybe in the past I have and sometimes I wish I had a little less maybe. Mm. Tough to give a specific example, but I do think it is definitely a balance where you want to meet in the middle, but you need to stay true and you can't dilute who you are um, for an opportunity. Uh, I've, I've learned that a, a bunch of times over. I think doing a feature and being able to work with such big artists in such different um, genres has been a really cool part of what makes me who I am. And I I love collaboration. I love working with people. And now more than ever, I think I'm, I'm prepared to do that knowing exactly what I'm, I have to give to a song. So it is about saying no sometimes. And it is about finding opportunities where doing something that works for both of you is still going to feel true to you. I can't be the only one after chatting with grandson this long it's still in my brain. You mentioned that thing you do. Cause I mentioned that thing you do at that moment, listen on the radio. You're like, Oh, I like that movie. I learned how to play that song on guitar. Was that true? Or were you just throwing hundred percent? Wait, t- t- give me the, tell me the story on that. Uh, directed by Tom Hanks. What a banger. No, no, I know that thing you do. I love it. The Oneaters. That's Oneaters. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like the kind of movie that there's a Ted Stryker cameo in that I don't I know about. I wish. I feel I like you got to be in the background cheering or I something. Spartacus. I mean, I wish I could have been like the announcer or something I know, like that's what that. I'm saying. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Oh, I love that movie. You um, decided a contract with a guy in the back of a camper. <laughs> okay, so you saw the movie that led to being my, a musician? Yeah, my my. my <laughs> Parents used to um, drive around in this van. Um, we had a queen's a double bed in the back that me and my sisters would all sleep on when we were like little kids. And my parents would just drive around and check out different different spots around Canada and, and America. And there was a VHS player and this little TV in the um, in the console that they would play to keep us entertained. And I don't know why that that. That thing you do is just one of those movies that we would just watch on repeat. Um, 
Also, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Okay. Yeah. Like, just these, like, kind of <laughs> mid-90s classics that uh, always stuck with me. Yeah, what's cooler than being in a band and running Liv Tyler? And yeah. I was like, man, this is cool. I got to learn how to do this. So I tried. And uh, I remember I started working on that song. And uh, my my fingers it hurt too much. I was playing it terribly, and my sister told me to stop playing because it sucked, and I cried. And no, I was like, I'm going to show her. You know? Whoa! I love that movie. I love it. Who gave you your first guitar? Uh, you know what? Somebody gave my sister a guitar for her 13th birthday, and then I stole it. That's what happened. And it was that thing you do. So officially, your first song was doing that thing you do. Yes. Cause it hurts me so just to see you go. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my that god! Who's yeah. your favorite Oneider? Who's your favorite The Wonder? Oh, you gotta go guy? with the drummer. The you gotta go. Guy. He was just effortless, and everyone else was so insecure. But I also do love who's the one that ends up like joining. He like runs away and joins the, the military. Bass player. Who, by the way, who has no name in the movie? He's just known as the bass player. The bass player. Where's your bass player? Guys? I liked him. I like. I like that man. Yeah, there's something just so, so great about it. And it's also just one of those movies where the bad guy's really bad, the good guy's really good, everyone's rooting for the hero. So who is, is Jimmy the bad guy? Singer's the bad guy. Singer's the bad guy. He's gotta be. He's just, he's, he's rude to his partner, he's vain, he wants the attention, no, you're rooting for the drummer in that one for sure. But the thing about it is, he th- the the singer thinks he knows everything. But if he would have done it his way, the song would not have been a hit because guys sped it Ain't up. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth in all collaboration? And you know what else about that movie? There is an iconic. I forget who who brought this up. There was an iconic. Tom Hanks fist bump in the middle of their oh, performing. Yeah. Right. He gives one like he's the manager, Come right? On. Yeah, he's walking around. He's just like. Yeah. And I've always like my goal as a musician has been to get somebody backstage to give me that that yes. It's a perfect Tom Hanks fist bump. And I'm hoping I meet him one day so he can do it for me. I know what I'm gonna do at the grandson show Please. when I go. But uh, I don't also, think I'm gonna be backstage. I'm gonna be walking around in the crowd doing it. And speaking of uh cameos, we got a Ted Striker cameo in uh, in a music video recently. For drones. That's right. Thank you so much that was so good. for having me in the video. Dude, that was that was amazing. That was amazing. So for context, you know, we were trying to figure out what to do for that video and we were watching the break stuff video. I liked the idea of having fans reacting to the song, getting pumped up. And uh, somebody said, you know, Stryker's in that video. I was like, what? And if you slow it down, he's got a couple frames. Yep, yep. I was like, man, I wonder if he'll, if I wonder if he'll spike his hair back up and come out for one last mosh. And he showed up. He did one take. Absolutely killed it. Had a great time with it, and did. Uh, did make the final cut. I did. Thank you so much again. That's the drones video. It's on grandson's new album. That's right. That those are some of the most fun times in my life is yeah. just getting to ask to go do something like that. I'm like, I can't believe everyone in the world you reached you reached out to me to be in the drones. Video. You know who you are. You're rock and roll Forrest Gump. Oh my god, I will take that. You've you've managed to kind of wander your way through rock and roll history. Right. Oh, he's popping up over here. Oh, he was the first guy that did that. It's, uh, I just, I needed a little bit, I needed a little tuna. You That's know? the nicest compliment because I really don't know what I'm doing like Forrest. I just somehow You're end just up in these little positions here. I know. The, the music video just didn't have enough tuna and now it's covered in tuna. 
Okay, how are you going to celebrate? Now it's covered too. How are you celebrating tonight leading into the release of the album? Is it low-key? Is there a big party going on? There's a bit of a party going on. Okay. Uh, off screen, I'll give you the deets if you want to pull okay. up. All right. um, yeah, we're having a little party, just, just showing love to the people that um, helped make the album, to friends and family. It's, it's also kind of my last opportunity to see some friends because... I'm hitting the road. As right. soon as this album's out, a week later, I'm in San Diego, and I'm not home for another three months after that. So um, I'm having some friends together to just kind of say goodbye and send off this part. And it's so funny. Like, this is only my second full-length album. Right. But sometimes when you put so much of yourself into a project, it can kind of feel like – I feel like I'm at the end when it's really the first day of it being, I'm actually just right. at the beginning yes. of, of what this album's going to mean to other people and where this album's going to take me. But I feel in some way that in order to make room for whatever this next chapter is going to bring, I'm just going to bring some friends and family together and, and kind of sign off on, on this part of it. And then we get ready and then I start writing some new stuff, hit the road and we, we never stop. The previous album is Death of an Optimist. That's right. You also have a line in one of the songs, R.I.P. to my positivity. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. I hadn't made that connection. Yeah. yeah. There it is right there. As I said from the top, if you're looking to back a fantastic artist and champion somebody, he's right here. He is grandson. Thank you so much for being on Tune on Toast with me. And I please keep up the hard work and... A lot of people, as you know, have your back. We are cheering for you every single day. Thank you so much for all the support, and uh, let's do it again sometime. All right, sounds good. All right. He is grandson. I love you. I'm trying. For grandson, I'm Stryker. That's been another episode of Tuna on Toast. Woo! Happy snuggles. Bye-bye. Forrest Gump wave. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That's another episode of Stryker's Tuna on Toast. Promise, it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs>